We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast. I'm Pete, joined by Mike. And as of the time we're recording this, we will see if something happens between now and when this is released. But the Lakers are still uh, in limbo regarding their 14th roster spot, which they've gone on to communicate. You know, they're looking for a big man. And uh, Rob Polinka had some interesting quotes about dimensionalizing the position, Mike, which I think I took to mean somebody that is not Jackson Hayes 2.0, but somebody who brings different skills to the table. And so this is something that Jovan and David McMenamin both uh, reported on through the framing of a stretch five, which I think there's a good chance that it means that, but I just would point out that I don't think it necessarily means that, right? Like I think Hayes is kind of a sky above the rim you know, athlete type of guy. And I think that, for example, 2020 Dwight, right, like was more of a bruiser than that type. So I would just kind of add to the table that having having different dimensions at the five spot other than what Jackson Hayes does doesn't necessarily mean three-point shooting, but it certainly could. But that is kind of the thing that is vexing us uh, as Laker fans right now, Mike, is that five spot. So I wanted to talk to you a bit about that today. That is a position that really the last few years, Darius wrote it out in the text thread recently. Like It's been quite a journey of the big man at the five spot, and we haven't really landed on something that has worked since the title season. Yeah, it's a bit of a perplexing one because on the one hand, the way that the NBA is divesting themselves in the center position, at least to some extent, with a couple exceptions like, you know, Jokic and Embiid and AD, if he's considered a full-time center, uh, that's that's one class. And then you've got the, to me, kind of like the up-and-coming players that can that can break offenses in certain ways, like Bam, um, Evan Mobley, as he continues to develop. When Benyama would fit into this, you know, category where all of the length and versatility to mm-hmm. be able to protect the rim and still switch out to the perimeter some, and and uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. by the way is the closest to AD on that, and he actually won Defensive Player of the Year last year. We thought it should have been Anthony Davis's, uh, if the Lakers had been higher in the standings, right? Perhaps, but in terms of who the best defensive player is, I do think it's AD. I, he and, wasn't the nineteenth best defensive player. I'll tell you that. Yeah, you know that. Like, if you're gonna vote somewhere, then anyway. Uh, so that like I love that type of player, though, in the modern NBA. And I, I think we focus so much now on 
offense and analytics. And but if just look at the types of guys that you have to have to succeed through playoff series. And I do think that that's going to be that's uh, kind of like one of the few counters that you can have to all of the offense and all of the spacing is that you have to have a big. And but what is that done in terms of the rest of the bigs and kind of the more traditional 90 side bigs? Well, you just you don't have teams making you don't hey, you don't have many players coming up like that. And then you don't have teams uh, treating it differently than they might like an NFL running back almost where, yeah, just set screens, roll to the rim or set screens and pop out to three. And you're not going to be, you know, we're not running stuff through you unless you're yoga, you're Embiid. you know, even AD doesn't get the offense run through him enough. It seems at times. So um, I, it's like, you're, you're in a position now where the Lakers are with the roster and you would think you'd be able to find a player or two like that. And you look at the list and like, yeah, you can get a couple of, you, there are a couple guys we've talked about who they are, but is that going to be the a type of player that you could put into a closing rotation mm-hmm. in the playoffs? And right now the answer is no, in terms of like who's available. So what do you do? Do you just get the best kind of placeholder and minutes filler and, um, and guy right. that can kind of get you through the 82 and that can take some load off LeBron and, and AD, particularly AD defensively, you know, or, and then do you have to, do you have to find an actual closing tight player um, to add? So it's not just Anthony Davis that you're depending on to do everything for you um, at that center spot defensively. And, and can that be acquired without giving up a real asset? And, you know, so I have answers to them, but I've, I've now gone on about this. Where, where do you see the framework of not just what the team has, but sort of where the league is and what the level of import to having that another option at that type of a spot is? Yeah, I think the league is getting a little bit bigger over the last couple of years and bigger players are able to stay on the floor a little bit more than they were a couple of years before. Um, and I think that's why I think that the whole idea that it's comparable to a running back in the NFL, like just get a seven footer type of thing. It's like, I'm not looking at any of the names that have been available and going, ah, that guy's going to solve the problem. And that's kind of like my overall takeaway of kind of where we're at is there's nobody that we can sign right now, whomever we do choose to go with, where we're going to walk away from that feeling like that problem is solved or addressed. And I think that when you're in that position, going for upside is, is the right way to go because it's something where ideally we find a guy who's kind of a undiscovered gem, right? And we've we've hit on a couple of guys like that. Not every time, but we've hit on some. And, you know, it feels that unexpectedly. And you know the name of the guy that I like that kind of fits this, like hasn't gotten a lot of minutes, but young guy has potential to be that type of player. And if that doesn't work out, that is when you start, I think, looking toward trading assets for it at the deadline. That's why I call this part before the trade deadline kind of tryouts is it's like, Will Jackson Hayes really fit in? I don't know. Can Max Christie make that leap that we spent the first part of last pod talking about? Can he Can he do that? I think so, but I'm going to know a lot more by the time February rolls around. And so I think that that's what this first half of the season is. And with respect to the big man spot, I'm, I'd am i love a big bruiser, right? A guy that sets screens, that can rebound, that can take some of, if nothing else, Mike, and you alluded to this, take some of the physicality asks off of AD's plate. And this guy doesn't have to start. He's the 14th man, right? But if you 
could use a night where it's like, hey, go wrestle with this big dude on the other team. And you don't have to ask Anthony Davis to do that simply because you don't have anybody else that can do that. I think that is a real win, even it's for if it's for Anthony Davis's health over the course of the season and going into the playoffs. Yeah, I like the way that you framed the one idea about the big that you could try to acquire with this roster spot and and essentially taking somebody into that spot that you think has a chance to eliminate the need to move a real asset to Mm -hmm. get that guy. And there aren't that many players that maybe fit into that, but it would be the it would be the alternative to just signing somebody like a vet that you know exactly what that player does. But you also already know that that player is not going to be uh, have the upside, right? You know, to potentially last some. So that that part of it does make a lot of sense to me. And I just think that uh, I'll frame it as we we used to a lot last year as the Lakers were making this run. In contrast to the nineteen twenty team, the twenty nineteen twenty team, which had more support in this in the way that we're talking about it for Anthony Davis specifically, and then but then had less support in terms of ball shot creation that this roster does in support of LeBron on that end. And then how that conversation can get a little bit difficult in its own right, because there are many playoff games where LeBron still ends up taking on that uh, a certain level of creation. And so I, we've, I feel like we haven't talked as much about LeBron, you know, in that funny, uh huh. you know, because in, he to me is is the swing player in a lot of ways where I'm not worried at all about what Anthony Davis is going to bring uh, if he's on the court. And, you know, I, I, I think that he's got a chance with this another extended offseason of full health to um, granted. We haven't heard about the foot, but the foot held up great uh, in the postseason. And but like, what is LeBron going to be capable of defensively? What is he going to be capable of offensively? They've got Austin and D'Lo and Gabe Vincent and all these guys who can create shots. Uh, at a high level, but who are the guys that can sort of protect him more on the defensive end? And I'm thinking more about this in the regular season than the postseason. And what what can an additional big do? And Pete, in that context, is it a big? Are you better off with like a four or five type of a big? Mm. I'm trying to think of a player like a you know like a Grant Williams type, right? Who just went to Dallas? Mm-hmm. Who like who you can play at center in a lot of postseason situations, but. That player, like, do you are you thinking more just of a, a more classic big, you know, to uh, to have at this at this part of the roster since you're not going to obviously get a high level Grant Williams type player at this point, regardless. So I think that between Rui and Vando, although we're going to have have to have a whole pod on Vando, but I think that we have guys that can sort of approximate that type of player enough to where I want somebody that can take a go wrestle with the grizzly bear responsibility off of Anthony Davis's plate. And I think that that's something that is in plain terms. It's it's in, it's, in the playoffs. It, that player was like LeBron or Rui that had sure. to do that. That's yeah, right. Yeah. But you want, but there's somebody even potentially bigger um, and, and they can hold up. Okay. In those spots. Yeah. Because it's more about when AD is not on the court and during the regular season that like that could be an injury. Right. But it's also in the playoffs. There is going to be he he played 38 minutes a game. So there are 10 minutes a game where the storyline for a good portion of the playoffs was, hey, how do we not get killed in these 10 minutes? Like we're really good. And you see what I'm saying? And certainly in the regular season as well. Right. And when he was out and then like asking LeBron to play defensive center. Yes. Even if you 
even if he exactly. might want to, just to, is to me that's the part that's unpalatable. And <laughs> and yet, in can Jackson Hayes, you know, who's going to be probably given that initial ask, can he do that? And can it be successful? Maybe. You know, we like we didn't you we already talked about Hayes and all the weird lineups that New Orleans was using where he wasn't actually even the five. Right. You know, so. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm right there with you. And it just it's way too much of an ask on LeBron specifically and AD um, yes. to not have this position somewhat solidified. And, and so that's really what I'm looking for is like, how can we not fall apart on defense in particular when Anthony Davis is not in the game? Because like you said, Mike, we got offense at other positions. It's just that that is a point where and that's part of the reason why Denver posed such a difficult matchup for us is he's like the only guy in the league that can go right at Anthony Davis on offense. And his strength just kind of goes through AD in a way that nobody else challenges AD in that kind of way, right? But we need to, we've got a lot of good pieces, but one of the easiest points of failure right now is an Anthony Davis injury or AD just being out of the game and not being able to defend well enough to where, yeah, it's great. You got all this offensive talent, but they're scoring on you every time. And it's obviously, we were talking the other night about like the JV versus varsity type of size difference. Like when Anthony Davis isn't in the game, man, like it, it quickly gets to that. Um, we're in a way better spot than we were this time last year in that respect. But I just think that a guy, Mike, that set good screens, get rebounds, protect the rim, yeah. right? Uh, like is that's way more of a priority than for example there's a, a very offensively inclined big man that's available as yeah, of right now that it's just not what we need we're having the same thought right i'm, I'm having that same thought and, and i'm just thinking mostly of the 82 uh, because i just think that in order for the lakers to actually make a postseason run they have to have a better regular season than and not do the whole yep. thing where like battling for playing position and setting up the hardest route possible like that <laughs> that type of seriousness has to come early in order to create the situation where you don't have to have lebron um in fifth gear in march you know mm -hmm. you've got and i'm not saying he's got to skip a ton of games but he at least has to be able to get his, like focus on getting his body right for a, a real postseason run and in order to do that there's got to be a certain requisite level of, of defense that, it, that he doesn't have to play and that AD doesn't have to do all by himself uh, in the regular season. And so th so that's where people know like what some of the names are. And I think we're basically saying which one we would take if it were between two. <laughs> you know? uh, and, and then and then who, we'll see what happens as the regular season goes on. Clearly, Rob Palenka has shown that he's able to um, to make a good move you know, before the deadline. And and you don't know what players might be available because you don't know what teams are going to have an injury and they're going to find themselves all of a sudden in playing territory and then thinking, you know what, let's take let's take a pick, even if it's a second, uh, and this expiring contract. And then all of a sudden, player A becomes available that you didn't think was available. Absolutely. But you also don't want to depend on that player becoming available, right? In that, ideally, what happens is, I kind of look at it as, as we got two swings at it between Jackson Hayes and then whomever the other big they sign is to lock down that spot behind AD. And may the best man win, or ideally both of them, right, play play well and help solidify that spot. Um, and that we don't have to make that move at the trade deadline. The guy that I like is not somebody that I've 
heard associated with the team. Um, but I wanted to take a moment to just make one last plea for Wenyan Gabriel, who is the guy that has survived many, many attempts to replace him. This is one of the humorous storylines for me last year was like, oh, yeah, Wenyan played really well at the end of the season that we missed the playoffs. And then but, you know, we bring in Damian Jones and Thomas Bryant and they're going to take his spot. Right. And thanks, Wenyan, your deep bench guy. We didn't talk about him at all last offseason. And then he outplays everyone and gets decent amount of minutes. The one thing I'll say about Wenyan is Rob was talking the other day about how he was talking to Darwin about potentially having more two big lineups. We did not do that very much this last season. And I very strongly believe that Wenyan is in the best role for Wenyan is as the second big. So on the court, ideally with Anthony Davis. And meaning that like Wenyan, if Wenyan ever gets matched up with a guard, that's when he's getting like five offensive rebounds in three minutes. Like smaller players cannot keep him off of the boards. The times where he looks at his worst is when he's the lone big that's on the floor. And he's the guy that's next to LeBron, right? In those lineups where it's like, Wenyan, you got a, you got Desmond Bain coming downhill on you. You got, uh, you know, John Morant in the Memphis series and got to be our sole rim protecting big that's in the game. I don't think that's the best position for him. He's he's not strong enough and he's not enough of a, an above the rim threat. But you know how we talk about that thing with Rui where it's like, oh, you run out of guys if you've got LeBron and AD. Like when Wenyon is the second big on the floor, you can do some really cool things on the boards. And he really busts his ass defensively in ways where I think the strongest argument against it is like he can't make the rotations, the perimeter rotations at the four spot. And just the shooting or lack thereof, potentially, if he's the second big. And this is where how many conversations have we had about where the game is today and the three-point shooting and spacing. And I think that some, some coaches especially are just see the game moving and just don't even consider the idea of like playing two bigs that can't shoot together. And you know where I stand on that, you know, like I, I go the other way most of the time, even if it's at the expense of some shooting and some spacing. And it seems like that is a dying, a dying thing uh, in the NBA. For sure. But if Rob is saying that that is something that we're possibly looking to revisit this year, that to me is the ideal role for when in Gabriel. And that's why when we look at the big man market and I just look at the names in a holistic sense, I'm like, man, Wenyan is better than these dudes, right? Like we might as well just bring back Wenyan if this is who our our group of guys is uh, to, to choose from. Um, and to me, that's the best role for him. And if it is about getting through 82, Wenyan is a very helpful player in getting through 82. So let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to change subjects, talk some in-season tournament. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? 
you need Indeed. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Well, Pete's the in-season tournament has been a almost feels like a passion project for me um, now that, that I've been wow. talking to some guys in the league office about it for a while, like going back years. They've been thinking about something like this. And by this point, if you're a hardcore NBA fan, I think that when it first when the idea first got put out all at once by the league and they announced like the the groups of five and all that, there was a lot of wait, what? What is happening? And then hold on. When are the when are the games? Wait, four regular season games. So we can go through the details if you want. Uh, again, I think that most people uh, maybe it's, maybe it'll be helpful to give an outline for it for the people that haven't heard about it before. But I have heard a softening t- from the f- sort of the group that initially were just like, no, I don't need this. Why are we doing it? Some and some of that's come because like a lot of the insider NBA people have been have been breaking it down and putting it out. And like Zach Lowe just did a podcast where he had the actual architect of it um, from the NBA on, which I thought was helpful. So that's something I think that would be a good thing to listen to. Um, He's the third guest, I think, on the previous pod um, that Zach did. And, you know, Pete, my initial sort of intrigue and excitement about it comes more from being an international soccer fan. And so like my, I'm a Manchester United guy, right? And so in, in England, whole different system, but they've got the FA Cup, which is a, which is a, a bigger deal, um, hundred years of history in season tournament that doesn't count towards the regular season, um, which this one will in the NBA. Then they also have the League Cup, so it's a. Uh, I won't I won't go too deep into those details now, but I just I've seen that as an additive um, as a Manchester United fan over these years, where it's not the top priority, but it's something that's fun for me to to root for as a secondary thing. And in a season where everything isn't going great, if you can if you can find a way to get that win uh, or you have like young players that play better up through it, there's all these different things that just make the games a little bit like a little bit more juice. And that's basically what I'm always chasing, like in in going to an NBA arena in December and January and finding a, an additional way to get people to care about something. So um, that's my outline of it. I'll, I'll get into the specifics of what it is. But first, Pete, I. I know from our conversations that you are not as intrigued by it as me, or at least you weren't initially. So um, where, where are you when you check in right now on, uh, on this week in late July? Yeah, so I, I don't think there's any harm in it, right? I Just to lead with that, there's nothing about this where I'm like, this is terrible. What the hell are they doing, right? I also, I don't see myself caring too much about it. And that might change after experiencing it. I'll, I'll give you that, right? But as a Laker fan who's like, yo, we got a shot at 18 this season. That is something that is way more important to me, which isn't to say that you're saying otherwise, but I don't see why I should care about it, you know, any more yeah. than, than a, any other regular season game that's going to help us reach our ultimate goal. And maybe that's part of it, right? Is you get this little taste of tournament play, right? Where there's a little more stakes on the line. And I do appreciate the effort to kind of get more juice into the regular season, like you were saying. I disagree with like 
I, I don't know. I, you know, my thoughts on, you know, my thoughts on like the season, the regular season, and we've kind of devalued the a regular season game. And that's been very sad to me as a lifelong basketball fan is like these regular season games. A lot of teams kind of hover around 500. They push away at the end and then we play the real basketball once the playoffs start. Right. It's just got more of that energy than it ever has before. And I appreciate that this is an effort to address that to some degree, but I don't think it like really addresses the underlying issues, I suppose. Yeah. So I think that you're, so both of those things I think are true. Like I do think that it brings some more energy and it gives a little verve um, to the regular season, but of course it it doesn't also address the, the full 82 games and the way that, that some players are now comfortable um, not playing as much. Mm. Some of that, it seems like is supported by science. Although I don't know that that's actually the case because injuries have not gone down since some players started to play less. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot that goes into all of that discussion. And I, can you can you get the whole regular season um, feeling more like it, it used to in a way? I don't, I don't think so, but I also think that the playoffs and the full playoff push um, are better um, than, than they were in years past. And so you do get sort of some of the, the payoff. It's just that like the regular season building up to it. So if I can, if I can just do this, let me try to do the nutshell of what this is, what the in-season tournament is. Um, for for the folks that that are just like hearing about it but don't quite get it, and then I think through discussing it like this, uh, I'll, I'll build upon why I think it's uh, interesting, and, and maybe you can push back some, and and who knows, Darius can come in off the top rope in Switzerland the next pod and say where he's at. <laughs> but so to start, right, there are three groups of five in each conference, and they the way that they did with this was by last season's uh, records, and they do the same thing when they do like World Cup pods. Right. Where so that you don't have Brazil and Germany and Spain and Italy, although Italy didn't make the last one. Um, So maybe bad example in this case and Argentina all in the the first group. But it ends up sort of in some ways penalizing the Lakers uh, because only one team gets out of each of those groups of five. And then there's a wild card in each conference. So the Lakers are with Memphis, Phoenix, Utah and Portland. Now, Memphis was the second seed last year. Right. So that's why they were in that first pod. Um, Phoenix was a, were they the four or the five ever game? I think the, they were the four, they were the four. And then the Lakers of course were the seven. So, you know, that's relative to some of the other groups like group C is Sacramento, Golden State, Minnesota, OKC, and San Antonio because Sacramento was the three seed and then Golden State was the six. Right. So like that's, that in theory would be an easier group to get out of, um, certainly than, than this one. Although John Morant should be out right uh, at at Mm -hmm. this point. All right, so you have the group of five, and like to first just to, to, to sit on this point at first, Pete. I like the fact that the NBA is going to have designated nights for group play. So it's kind of like I just think that's that in its own right is like, oh wait, this is the night where every game that's in the NBA, this the whoever wins this game, that's going to go towards their record to try and advance out of this group. And we haven't had anything like that before. They learned a little bit from the WNBA because the WNBA has the Commissioner's Cup, but they don't have it on designated nights. And it's been very difficult, I think, for WNBA fans to follow. But wait, Mm. so this one counts as a tournament. Yeah, that's part of like when they were explaining it, it was like, is it going to? But so it's having that night of the week where everybody that's playing this night, we're doing tournament night tonight. That's smart. So Tuesdays and Fridays in November is, to my understanding, is when those games are going to be. And then like when I... You, you know how I get with standings watch like late in the year, right? Just mm-hmm. like, well, if this team wins and that, then they're going to move up. And so what's going to be the difference this time, in, in, which I am excited about, is point differential. 
because by that's one of the one of the earlier tiebreakers. So like, let's say that the Lakers are two and one and Phoenix is two and one. Right. And the Lakers play. I, I, I could look at the actual schedule, which would help. But just for sake of argument, it doesn't matter. Let's say the Lakers play Portland and um, the Suns play the Grizzlies. Well, if they both win, they're both three and one and the point differential is close. The Lakers might have to win that game by like eight points, whereas Phoenix only has mm-hmm. to win by four. And like that to me is just intriguing. And it's intriguing which team is going to care enough or not to yep. actually try to do that. And is LeBron going to say, well, look, this game, it counts as a regular season game anyway, which is why like there it's not like the game is a waste. Right. You can't just throw it away. Oh, we're going to sit this one out. Well, no, because then it counts as a loss. Right. So what, but if do, does LeBron decide? Yeah. Um, I'm not playing more than what I usually play. Right. Mm -hmm. Or if it's close, maybe this has some, some impact. Like let's, let's go for it. I'm going to play 40 tonight. Like all of these questions that Mm -hmm. every team's going to have, like is, is OKC going to say, well, I don't know that we can win the title, but if we really treat these, these in-season tournament games, Super seriously, we can like we can get out of our group, and then guess what we did? Young OKC, we, we nope, it's not Golden State, it's not Sacramento. Here we are, right? Maybe does does mm-hmm. Indiana all of a sudden is a young team with talent? Do they do they try to play at a certain higher level than that? And to me, it gives it gives each one of these groups just in the group stage um, a chance to kind of show us what they think of themselves, and and like I just Pete, you know me, I'm always <laughs> wanting to try and win. That like even if it's a little bit a, a, a setting like that where you're not sure what the ultimate prize is. Yes, it's money, but like looking back upon this in years and when there have been let's say there have been twenty um, NBA cups and you know the Lakers have how many of them? And if it's a couple, or if it's zero, they're gonna say, "Ah, oh, it's stupid. Who cares?" Which is what some of the Premier League do. But if but if it's like five and Boston has two, you know, My, it's uh, just another thing that you put in the that eventually. I know you're skeptical now, but this is what it's been in in European soccer. Like how many Premier League titles matters the most? But the FA Cups and League Cups they matter secondarily. It's it's just it's another thing that you can put in the trophy case. And like, why not try to win? Well, having seen some of the trophies around the office, there are some coffee tables that have like Western Conference Championship trophies on them so from a lake standpoint that's a good point yeah. <laughs> you know this to <laughs> be true not hanging these banners uh, necessarily it, it, no this like, is, the nba it, couple it, will be collecting dust somewhere in a in, in an office yeah well yes but that's that's uh and that's that's partially true too like in so in if you if you are a smaller team in england and you win the fa cup mm-hmm. it's definitely mm-hmm. a bigger deal than when manchester united wins it um, and so I can acknowledge that too, but I, I still, as a fan, I still want to win every single one that I can, but I, sure. to, to enter, to enter another part of this in, and I'm now talking too much and not giving you enough, enough points. No, no, no. Back. This is great. You're passionate right. about this. I, I'm, I'm trying to, to figure it out to see where you're coming from. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's, so that's anyway, that that's the, let's just move on. So that's the group stage. And I just think that each one of those games, because of all of those parameters and all of those additional talking points and the debates on first take, which I'm not saying that these are always going to be the best thing, but uh, or like on local radio on Mason and Ireland or on our podcast. Uh, hey, is Denver going to take this game for seriously? You know, they play the Clippers like are, are, should does 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 Jokic need to to show to win this game. And of course not. No, but what about the Clippers? They've never won anything. Are Paul George mm-hmm. and Kawhi Leonard going to play this night? Like I just, I like those talking points that would not exist 
if it were just Denver and the Clippers on the schedule in November, which it would have been anyway. Then, Pete, we get to the quarterfinals, and knockout round stuff is just fun. Like, if you win the quarterfinal, you go to the semifinal. That's fun. Still counts as a regular season game, by the way. If you win the semifinal, you get to the final. That's the one game that doesn't count. That's the, the like, the 83rd game, mm-hmm. kind of like the play-in, uh, where you get to the final. and But it's in Vegas. So, like, I just think that that's fun. Um, I don't think that it's the greatest thing ever, and I don't think it's going to necessarily have a huge impact upon history. But uh, I, I think that it's fun, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. And I, I, I just, uh, I hope that, I hope that more players than not sort of see the opportunity and, and the level of competition in this, um, as opposed to doing the whole like, whatever, man, like who cares? I don't really get what it means because if you do win, you get five hundred thousand dollars. That's a lot for a young guy in the league. For sure. Not so much for LeBron and AD in the Lakers case, but like that, even just trying to trying to create the uh, the opportunity to get some guys that your your younger guys paid. Um, I like that. I like that part of the team building process as well, potentially. For sure. Like I, that all sounds nice. You know, I, I, I that's about where I'm at with it, Mike, right? Is just that I when you were saying like you hope that people aren't or that players are not like, eh, this isn't anything, it doesn't matter. That's all of that sounds nice, but I just don't I don't see myself investing into it. And it also could be something again that I just see and it's like, oh, I see it now, right? Now is the is the last two games is the semifinals and the finals in Vegas or is it just the finals? Yeah, the semi the semis and the final uh, okay. are both in Vegas. And I I I will like I'm totally I totally get the all right, I don't know if this sounds all that great but like I'll watch and I'll see and I'm open to being won over by it. Just like for me I'm I'm on the excited end of it. Obviously, if I end up watching it and it seems stupid, then I'll say so. Uh, but I just think there, are, since they tied it into the regular season records, that to me is the key. Because if you just had this as a standalone, and we already have X amount of games in the NBA, and then you're asking right. guys to to potentially like play more games that don't count towards their pursuit of the championship, well, this does. Because if you go four and zero. In the group play in the group stage, guess what? You get four wins, and they count towards your pursuit. Like so, that's that in its own right. We saw Pete. What's what was the difference between the three seed and the seven seed in the West last year? Yeah, just a couple wins. Yeah, like two games. So mm-hmm. that's you got to play the games anyway. Give them a little bit more juice, and then like I even now look. This is where I get really nerdy, but there's going to be an all um, all in season tournament team. Mm. Again, not not like the biggest deal, but like I if I'm a player. I want to be on that that team, dude, and I want to be the MVP of it. And you can we can put it where we can put it where it should be placed. It's not as important as an All Star berth. It's mm-hmm. not as important as an All NBA. It's not as important as NBA title. But like it's somewhere there on the list. And just give me more of that than not. Sure, That's we all. give out Player of the Week awards, right? Like absolutely. Yeah. So I'm good with it. And I and your uh, your enthusiasm for it is infectious. So I hope to be. Um, as into it as it. you are. I'm going to need it because I'm already, I'm having to try to win Michael and Stu and, um, and John and Billy Mack and, you know, just the guys. Oh, you're, you're proselytizing on this uh, to, I, to everyone trying, you know. I'm just trying to get everybody to like, hey, let's let's just go into this with some optimism and excitement as opposed to just like, what is the league doing this for? You know, like, oh, it's just for money. It's just for this. I I don't I don't think that's the case that it's just for money. Um, I do think that a, a better, it's always part of the, the piece, though. Um, all of this, it is a business, right? And mm-hmm. I'm, as a NBA enthusiast, I'm always rooting for the business. It's just like if uh, if a team's up 3-0, 
I'm typically hope I'm typically rooting for the team that's down three zero to get a win to elongate the mm-hmm. series and not you know and just kind of have more basketball. So um, that's all. I'll I'll stop preaching for now, but I am looking forward to this. And I, I can I let me can I ask you this though? Can I ask you this? I gave you the group: Memphis, Phoenix, Lakers, Utah, Portland. Now. That is a group where I could see this coming down to basically uh, the like the Lakers and Suns games. We've already had the conversations about that. Memphis is really good. Uh, I I do think that they will. The fact that that game is in Los Angeles is helpful, and that Ja won't. I don't believe will be back playing yet for them. So so clearly the toughest game um, for the Lakers is that is at Phoenix, and that one game very well you know could could sort of pit. Um, whether they're not going to, whether they're going to be able to get out of the group, um, I'm not sure that I'm going to be able to get you to care about this enough to give me a full breakdown of that. But just, just give me some, give me something about the group: Memphis, Phoenix, Lakers, Utah, Portland. And this is tiebreaker would win that, right? So if they're both three and one, theoretically, whoever won the Lakers Phoenix matchup would move on head exactly. head to head, right? Yes, thank so you. So head to head is the first tiebreaker, and that's that's when you get down to like um, the. I think the 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 total points and point differential would come down more likely to who the wild card would be. Um, gotcha. You know, because you're most likely going to have two. Like, there could be there could be several three and one teams. Um, and then whoever the three and one teams in one group, well, whoever won that game, boom, like that's that's who's in. But the two three and one teams from Group A and Group B, um, that's where the point differential is going to come in. So, with respect to our group, like, you know how you're talking about how Memphis has smoke for us in summer league, like. That's yeah. going to be there every single time we play them. And that's something that with both Memphis and Golden State, I don't want our conversations to veer off into like, oh, Phoenix and Denver, those are the teams we got to worry about now because we already beat them. And I, so I think that that's something that even with Ja out now, how does Memphis look without Tyus Jones holding it down behind Ja? I think is one of the big questions this season. Now, Marcus Smart can absorb some of those point guard duties. He's sort of a mix between Jones and Brooks in some of his responsibilities. So I think that they can they can be good. But I'm curious about Memphis. I think think they got a bit of a humbling last year in a way that can motivate you to get back in the lab and just take things a little more seriously. And yep. like you said, it is a home game for the Lakers and Memphis is not nearly as good on the road as they are at home, but they're going to have that for us in a way that we are not going to have it for them. So that, that really is the matchup I'm looking for there. How about something you're looking forward to? No, it's just funny, Pete. Like, as you're saying that, I'm like, yeah, well, that's also how Utah looks at the Lakers. And that's also basically how Portland. <laughs> it's life is a Laker, isn't it? You know, and so the game at Portland, uh, even that one is full of intrigue. Like, is Damian Lillard going to be gone? Is he going to be in the heat? Like, is he going to be there? Yeah. Are they going to be playing other young guys? Um, Utah, that's a game where in terms of the Lakers potentially advancing, I'm glad that that one is in Los Angeles because I could see that game being in Utah mm-hmm. and just being like, Oh bro, like them just remember what happened last year early in the regular season, right. Against Utah where they're mm-hmm. still feeling good and they're, they're not in like tank mode yet. And uh, they're just like running guys out there and uh, THT is coming off the bench, you know? So I, I think that that in the Memphis game being in LA are helpful Portland potentially, you know, not looking to win if they move Lillard is helpful. And then that's where, again, it comes down to the game um, at Phoenix. And I we've already discussed I'm pretty high in Phoenix. And it's just like, what are I am not super optimistic that LeBron, with all that he's done and seen in the league and being on the tail end of his career is going to be all about the in-season tournament. <laughs> oh, okay. You don't even like the play-in, Mike. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Now, uh, he may have, but I think he, you know, warmed a little bit to that. But, like, I'm, 
that to me is where the Lakers' hopes of getting all the way done to me yeah. might be difficult this year because, like LeBron specifically, um, all, like, has his eyes on the ultimate prize, and even having to raise your level in the regular in, in like November mm-hmm. in December, that's not typically how. Like LeBron has a clot, like it builds steadily each month until it peaks, right? And so that to me might be the difference between the Lakers and same thing with AD, by the way. And so if yep. LeBron and AD aren't aren't like desperate to win this, then Phoenix or Memphis might be this year. Like Phoenix has never won anything. This team has a lot to prove uh, and a big payroll and all that. And that to me might, might end up being like wanting to win this tournament, I think is going to go a long ways towards the teams that actually do win it. And, and so I'm going into it like with full excitement for the league, but not necessarily all this optimism for what the Lakers are going to do in it. Your optimism and excitement for it, I think, uh, served us well on this pod, man. So thank you for filling us in and, and making the case for it. And I do look forward to seeing it. Like a couple of years ago, they introduced the the Elam ending type of thing at the end of games in the All-Star game. And I was like, is that going to? And then and then watching it, I was like, oh, yeah, we should end all games like this, right? Like it was yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. So it totally has the opportunity to, to be that. And I hope it is. We need more awesomeness in the regular season because I also agree with your point that the playoffs are as good as they've ever been. The only my last thought here, and I actually I heard this from Gabe Vincent, who was on JJ Reddick's pod. The one pushback to it that I thought was um, a little silly is way too strong. But so the winners get 500k. I, I don't think you get close to that much money for um, winning the finals, like from an individual bonus standpoint. Mm-hmm. And so, but I think that that had to be collectively bargained, you know. And so, sure. from the player standpoint, it's like, well, hey. If we're going to do this, right, then the money should be this. And I don't know what the league offered. And and so ultimately, it's not that big of a deal. Like it's it's the winning teams get 500. The losing team gets 200. The losing team in the semi gets 100. The losing team in a quarter gets 50 grand each. And that's that's like for anybody that's not in the NBA or not anybody that that's that's real money. It's just like I don't need an incentive in my own over competitive mind to want to win this game and to try to want to win this thing. It's like, you should try to win because it's something that you can win, but I get why it had to be bargained that way. It just seems that's the part of it, Pete, where clearly it's not as important as winning the finals. And yet the money that you get for it is, so it's just a, that, that sat with me a little bit strange, but you know, I get it. I get it. No, I think that, yeah, they had to incentivize the, why, why do we care about this a little bit more? I think that that that's your answer right there. All right, this is fun. Uh, everybody have a good weekend. We'll be back next next week. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. They win. Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance in Boston. Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, missing.
seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble. And banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.